umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're here to talk about the beginning of michigan football season game one michigan versus colorado state at the big house lots of drama the last few weeks swirling around the football program fortunately all good drama no injuries no defections but i think the biggest story is uh the announcement from jim harbaugh himself of the starting quarterback situation we've named the starting quarterback uh we're gonna Cade mcnamara will start the first game jj mccarthy will start the second and We've also uh, posted the depth chart uh, at the other positions as well. So uh, we're ready to roll. Yeah, so Jim Harbaugh announced on uh, the uh, the university podcast with John Jansen that uh, the quarterback battle or competition is still open. He kind of talked a little bit about stuff that we all knew and, and have been talking about, Cade McNamara, it's probably a little bit ahead in terms of uh, decision making, command of the offense, um, and uh, and decision and the uh, pre-snap reads. And uh, JJ McCarthy brings a little bit more to the table with his ability to create a play out of nothing and uh, turn a turn a small play into a huge play. So, pros and cons for both guys that are that have been you know, pretty well discussed. Um, he acknowledged those differences and that the net result was that they're pretty much neck and neck. Um, now Cade McNamara was voted by the players as a captain and John Jansen asked him about that. And, and he said, well, you know, the starting quarterback is not voted on, is not elected by the players. So it's going to be the, uh, you know, the player that plays the best. So in order to keep the competition open through the uh, first couple weeks of the season, uh, Jim Harbaugh announced that Cade McNamara will start the first game against Colorado State, and J.J. McCarthy will start the second game against Hawaii. So that's uh, somewhat unique. You know, I don't know that we've seen um, kind of a pre preseason uh, two different starters announced for two different games, but it's uh, it's right in the same um, kind of expectation uh, that we would have thought. Uh, to be paired with comments that are saying that the quarterbacks are still neck and neck, right? Uh, a lot of times you see a starting quarterback and then maybe they start alternating series within a game. And sometimes that can be uh, counterproductive to the actual team in the game. So um, I, I think this is kind of a unique option for still evaluating the, the two quarterbacks um, so, I mean, it's fine. It's, I don't think that it's ideal. I think ideal is still having a starting quarterback and naming that starting quarterback and going forward. But this is, uh, this is not a, a huge issue, uh, at least for me. And I, I would, I prefer this that set up, I think, to alternating series. And then the other point, uh, that I've made to a couple other folks is that it, you could do first half and second half or first half and second or first quarter and second quarter of the first game. But then really the, the game context determines 
what the quarterback is doing by giving both of them an opportunity to be the starter coming out of the locker room in a game. I think then um, you can truly evaluate the difference in how you put together a game plan around that quarterback. So you can really compare um, what the offense can look like under JJ and what the offense can look like under Cade uh, separately because the, the game planning for that week is probably going to be tailored to um, that quarterback's strengths as opposed to if you were going to rotate quarterbacks in the first game, then the game planning, you're trying to create two game plans, which can be done, but you're, you're not going to be as efficient and it's not going to be as complete. So I, there, there's kind of some stuff below the surface there that, that makes this make some more sense. Um, but I don't know that it's been done before. And, and that's kind of a classic Harbaugh thing is to, to find a new way to do something that he always does, which is not name a starting quarterback going into the first game. Well, Jim made the point, uh, you know, and Clint, I was thinking about what you've said many times that Jim will tell you what he's doing. You know, he's pretty honest. Mm -hmm. And I thought back to a week or so back when he had availability. Jim, we talked about the quarterback battle. We all at least do. Um, Kate and, and JJ, do you, when you have two good quarterbacks, is there any downside to having that go on, have that discussion go on into the season? Do you see any downside to it that a decision has to be made or does it have to be made? No, I think that's one of the, one of the, one of the real, is one, it's a real option. I mean, there's, there's three as I see it. I mean, one of them is going to, you know, separate and be the, the starter. And then we'll roll that way with a starter and a backup. The other guy could be the starter and, and the other be the backup. That would be option two. And option three is uh, we'd have to see him play games to, to make that decision. from way back, you know, give you, you know, a couple series here and then, and then bring in the next guy and kind of rotate that way through a game? Uh, I mean, hypoth uh, hypothetically, I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, it'd be like, it'd be like trying to throw that in the hypothetical box. Like some people like to say, oh, if you don't have a starting quarterback, then you don't ha have a quarterback. I mean, that's, that's, I, I, I put that into the category of people that uh, they're born originals and they, and they die copies. You know, they just hear something and they, and they parrot it. So uh, this, is a, this is a very good, uh, unique situation. We have two quarterbacks that are playing at a, at a high starter level. And uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to let it, we're going to keep competing. And it's possible that it, there's a starter by, you know, starter by, the first game, and and then possible you know, that that it plays into the to the season till you know one is. And then we pick the one that's the uh, going to be going to help the team win. You know who's going to who's going to be the best best person to play quarterback to to win the game. So on one hand, I think he kind of put it out there that he was going to be doing something different. But then on the other hand, he also said, well, if you want to know how the, t how the players are doing, talk to the people who've seen it. And, and, you know, Big Ten was in. They got to see a practice. And they raved about Cade. 
right? Um, he also said, well, it'll be obvious to the players who is the who the leader is, right? So he kind of puts out all these mixed signals. And, and then he says, well, check me on it. And I'm thinking, well, there's no way we can check you on it unless you want to let us go to practice, which, you know, that's not going to happen. So it's kind of a weird mesh, right? It's He's telling us one thing, doing another. It is a process. I mean, uh, for me to st stand up, I mean, no person, I mean, that's biblical. No person knows what the future holds. And um, it's a process and it can be based on performance. Uh, but we don't. We're not going to withhold, you know, any, any good, uh, any good thing. That's, uh, you know, both, uh, both have been tremendous uh, quarterbacks. We think that, that both can, are, are capable of leading our team to a championship. So, I mean, that's, that's good. We're going to keep cultivating that. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, that uh, somebody, some people have asked, you know, was that, you know, what, How'd you come to that decision? And you know, was it based on some kind of uh, NFL model? No, it's I mean, it's really based based biblical. You know, Solomon. I do think that it's a good idea just to put the schedule out. All right. So on one hand, it's an interesting mesh of he's kind of hinting what he's going to do, kind of challenging the media a little bit. Yeah, it's just specific for for this team and and, and where these you know these these. Uh, Two players are, are playing. I mean, they are. And if you're, you know, the question is speculating. No, there's no other intent or, or motive other than you know, what's good for our our football team. But it's it's it's. I understand it. I understand. You know, the landscape of here's the landscape. I do understand is that you know if a coach coach gets up gets up here and gives you the normal cliches, then. Um, and you, you, you seem very offended as journalists. Um, <laughs> but also when a coach, you know, or a person, you know, gives you really well thought out, you know, in-depth, honest, you know, tells you the, 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 the truth of where, they, where things stand, there's a tendency to question motive or question intent. So uh, I understand that. I'm going to keep doing it the way I've you know, been doing it, which is speak to speak the absolute truth as I know it and believe it to be. So I do like that he's put out, listen, this is gonna, what's going to happen first game. This is what's going to happen second game. He also said, as of today, hey, be prepared. You know, if they, if they stay neck and neck, this may continue. He didn't put a limit on how long he was going to keep this um, – this competition going. How long are you willing to take the process? Do you have a, a maybe a little bit of a timetable in your head when you'd like to settle this? You, you just don't know. I mean, one of the biggest factors will be. I mean, uh, probably if it's if it's exactly it is right now today, uh, coming out of just out of practice, and it continues to be like that in the games, then yeah, that'll be up to us as coaches to to uh, be able to utilize both both players. Um, you know what they what they bring to our football team, you know, for the best of the football team. I mean, that's that's where it stands today. So you can see play both of them like you did last year, having you know one's a starter and one comes in a lot like like JJ did last year. Oh, that's ab absolutely a possibility. 
having sat and listened to the podcast and listened to his availability, uh, on one hand, he says, well, Cade is playing the best football of his life. Cade says that as well. Absolutely. I think I'm by far playing my best football that I ever have in my life right now. Chris, what are you doing well? What am I doing well? Yeah. Um, I think I'm pushing the ball downfield. I'm throwing the ball with accuracy. My mechanics seem very clean right now. I'm not missing very often. Uh, my recognition of the defense right now it seems very clean. Um, and I think, you know, the more time we've spent with the receivers over camp, I've been able to gain even more chemistry with them and um, just finding zones, whether it's man coverage, zone coverage, and how we're dealing with those and our concepts and everything. I think, you know, this team is um, really ready. I think we've done a lot of situational preparation, a lot of um, work together, and not just myself, but I feel that this offense and this team is extremely prepared for this season. Well, by definition, J.J. must have improved more to pull up to even, right? So, and I'll tell you, putting together bits and pieces of what the team has been saying in availability, I really felt like they were setting us up for Cade's going to be the starter and JJ's really good too, right? But it almost was apologetically saying all the reason why Cade was, was doing well, knowing that there's a huge sentiment out there for JJ. Um, mm -hmm. There was even a segment with the coaches where um, Matt Weiss explained why J.J. looked so good at times last year. Yeah, I think the philosophy here, you know, and Sharon would tell you the same thing, and I think Jim would tell you the same thing. We'll do, we'll, we will win by any means necessary. So, so the best players are going to play. The best quarterback is going to play. It's true at any position. But then if there's something that we can do, if somebody adds an element that, that we don't have, just like we are talking about with, with Kalel, we're going, to use, we're going to use that person. So like we can go back to last year now that's over and really kind of explain what we were doing with that. But uh, we, we had the first thing you had is your backup quarterback had never taken a snap in college football. Right? And certainly you don't want to be in a, you don't know when you're going to need him. You don't want to be in a position where the first time you need him is on the road in a close game against a ranked opponent and the guy's never taken a snap. You know that you can look through college football and you can see that that happened to a Big Ten team last year. So the first thing is we need to get him on the field, get him experience to develop our backup, right? Because that's the only way to do that, okay? And then the other thing we did, we used him on a lot of, uh, you know, quarterback runs, certainly through the ball effectively also. But what that did for him is it, it, is, it controlled the defense, right? If you're running a lot of quarterback runs, they're not going to be running, you know, four to a side blitzes and showing them all different types of coverages. Like they're going to make sure they have everything gapped out and they're going to be more static. So that, that made things easier for him, right? He didn't have to go out on, you know, third and 15 with some crazy blitz coming and, and figure that out. We were able to control uh, when he was in the game and uh, what he was doing and, uh, and help him have success, right? So he could build on that success. So we were able to develop our backup. But then at the same time, he was able to do things athletically that, that helped us, right? He helped us win games. And to his credit, um, you know, he earned the opportunity to go out there and do that. And he helped us he helped us win, win games, and he was really effective, and he's a really good player, and he's going to be really good. So, you know, we're excited about him in his future, and, I mean, it's hard to see, you know, him being anything but really, really good at the University of Michigan uh, whenever his time comes. So uh, we're just going to continue to develop him, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be playing for us at some point, just, uh, just a question of when. 
Um, you know, they put them in, in situations where they would limit the defense and he would have to execute, but he didn't have to worry about as many things as Cade did. So I really thought putting the pieces together, we were getting uh, Cade's going to be the starter and JJ's really good too. And, you know, here we're, we're just going to see it all play out on the field. And from a, from a fan standpoint, that's great. Yeah. And I, I agree with everything that you're saying there. there. There's some other inferences that we can make here. Um, I, I don't think that it's wrong to assume that Kate is still ahead. Uh, certainly from the leading the offensive huddle and reading a defense, uh, both pre-snap and, and post-snap and then, uh, you know, delivering, you know, but one thing that Harbaugh has made clear is that, uh, that we will be able to monitor and check him on is the, 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 the number that he cares about is points per offensive possession. And he wants drives to end in points. And that's, um, that's something obviously that we're going to look at pretty closely here through the first two games. And, uh, we'll probably have to figure out, um, you know, we'll probably track it by quarterback also and see, um, what decision comes in, you know, comes out in the third week buildup uh, as they get ready for UConn. Um, and whether that aligns with what the offense did on a points per drive basis. So, um, again, there's, there's lots of reasons that the staff and the program want to keep the competition alive as long as possible. Right. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh and, and the entire Michigan coaching staff believes that, you know, competition sharpens, you know, your players that are iron sharpens iron. And that's uh, an old maxim that uh, is brought to the forefront by Michigan uh, every season, multiple times a season. So by making Cade compete after he really didn't have to in the spring, you know, they may have pushed Cade to a new level of of um, performance in, in the fall camp here. Uh, also, in the era of transfer portal, I think you have to keep your your players engaged, especially a you know five star quarterback who uh, who may end up in the backup role for the second season in a row. Right? It's um, there's definitely a, a a certain number of snaps that they were going to want to get for JJ on this season, no matter what, just to keep him engaged and keep him as part of the game plan. And if you remember uh, the last time that we talked, I, I said that I expected really, I expected Cade to win the job and JJ to be in a special package sort of role, uh, very similar to last year. But I think that that package will, expand because JJ will be more capable of doing additional things. I still believe that that's how this is going to end up. I still believe Kate is going to end up as the starter. I still think that JJ will come in and bring uh, a, a different facet to the offense uh, when he comes in and defenses will have to prepare for both every week. And that is by design, right? So, um, how you get there and, and how you announce it in the preseason and how you play the media game. Um, I think all of this was going to happen the same way, right? JJ was going to get 
a, a certain number of snaps. Cade was going to get a certain number of snaps in these non-conference games. And the fact that he chose to make one a starter in each game um, makes perfect sense to me in terms of keeping JJ engaged and feeling as if that there is a, that the competition is still raging on and there's no reason to believe that it's not. And, uh, and we'll see how it works out. I, the thing that would surprise me is if we do see a significant difference in the numbers points per drive uh, through the first two games and the, the decision that Harbaugh makes doesn't uh, line up with those those statistics, then I would I would be surprised and, and you and I would be talking about that in the UConn week. All right. So let's strip away the names for a second, right? We're not talking we're not gonna talk about JJ or Cade directly. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this and I think, okay, you're giving your starter from last year the nod in the first game. And then you're taking the up and comer and you're giving him the big stage, the night game, in the second game when generally you see pretty significant improvement between game and one and game two in your in your supporting staff, right? So who knows what's going to happen, right? But it definitely seems to set the stage for drama because you can imagine – Michigan coming out and just whomping on both of these teams, right? I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if it's a 60 or 70 point game in both of these things. And then, you know, how do you judge that? How do you, how do you determine? So then you have the thing of one of the guys who's been voted captain, which you think means something. Um, so again, just, I, I think, and again, I, I like to do this. You know, we've talked about this before. I like to do this exercise where you just take the names off, right? I got to believe that ultimately this needs to come down to what kind of offense Jim Harbaugh wants to run, right? Um, we've seen what J.J. brings. We've seen what Cade brings. And I think that, you know, again, the consensus is there's a little bit more risk with JJ, but you also have a little bit more upside. So ultimately, if both these guys look great in different ways, it's going to come down to what Jim Harbaugh wants. Also, it's going to come down to, you know, his gut. I mean, he's the guy making the call. So it's going to be interesting to me to see um, ultimately, because again, I don't think there is a formula. I don't think you put in this many yards, this many touchdowns, this many, um, you know, I, again, I just, I, I think we've set things up for a month of drama and, you know, it's going to be fun to watch, but like you said, there's going to be a lot to talk about. And even that, even that may be intentional because if it wasn't for the ongoing quarterback battle, most of what we're talking about is probably how disappointed we are with the three weak non-conference opponents as fans, as ticket holders, right. As media members, right. We're, we're probably kind of huffing and puffing, turning our nose up at this three game slate in September. Um, and instead uh, the focus has shifted to the shiny object where 
we've now turned it into a guaranteed quarterback competition through the first two weeks. And the, the onus is not any longer on uh, kind of what we've talked about in previous seasons when they've played a weak opponent that you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Win by, uh, win by a million, so what? It's a bad team. And if it's a close game, uh-oh, you're not really taking care of business against the weaker teams. So those types of no-win media <laughs> scenarios, um, it, it's probably intentional that uh, the drama being created here um, is taking the conversation out of the the one that the Michigan football program can't win. <laughs> you know, um, we saw this last year in the first game against uh, Western and the second game to a certain extent against Washington after they had lost to an FCS school, right? If that game was all of a sudden close with Michigan, then Michigan was in a bad spot. And then we saw it with Rutgers where Michigan uh, on paper had a huge advantage over Rutgers. They were really in a, in a battle in the second half. And uh, there was a lot of consternation uh, after that fourth week game um, because Michigan didn't blow out Rutgers. So shifting the media narrative away from that trap and keeping it focused on the uh, shiny quarterback battle um, probably is not just a happy accident from, from the Michigan football program. Um, you know, in past seasons, we, well, I, we definitely talked about it, how we wanted Harbaugh to get whoever the backup was more reps. Well, this definitely does that, right? You're definitely prepared. Um, he also has said that he's confident that either of these players could lead the team to a championship. So, again, it's just, it's kind of an odd thing that, I think back to when Harbaugh first came back to Michigan, I expected Michigan to be quarterback you, right? Mm -hmm. To have quarterback prospects just flocking to the program. And we really didn't see that. Well, if that had happened and you had, you know, multiple quarterbacks flocking, you would have competitions like this. So on one hand, I think I would have expected this earlier um, in his tenure, we didn't see it. So now, again, you have two quarterbacks who can, who can get the job done according to him and according to players, and it's going to be a question of, of which one you like. So again, going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, we we only got to talk to Cade very briefly in availability. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, you got to assume that both players will be made available after their respective games. So it'll be interesting to see here what people have to say and what they have to say about their performances. Yeah. And then I, I would say the final layer on top of this is that it's going to, from a, from a numbers or data standpoint, it's going to be hard to kind of separate out what the differences are between the two quarterbacks because it's a new coordinator, right? Matt Weiss now, becoming co-offensive coordinator and, and Sharon Moore uh, still hanging on to the uh, run game coordinator position. And we're kind of back to the offensive coordinator by committee, as opposed to the Josh Gaddis version of the offense that we saw last year. Some things will certainly remain, of course, um, but it, it's going to be a little bit difficult to, to determine which changes do we see because of player performance and what changes do we see based on scheme and structure from the offensive coordinators? Uh, 
And then we can kind of dig in and compare what's different between the two quarterbacks. What do they do when Cade's in there? What do they do when JJ's in there? Um, and, and how is that different than what they did last year in 21 with Cade and JJ in there? So it's, it's a lot of layers, a lot of layers there, especially with the new coordinators, plenty to talk about and, and stay interested in for sure. And uh, I'll, I'll do my best to try to kind of summarize those uh, by category well, once we're into the games. Another thing I thought of is, so we have a rebuilt offensive line that is expected to be very good again. We have a running game led by Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. What if Michigan just comes out in these first two games and runs 80% of the time, right? How do you how do you rate everything then? And it's just funny. I mean, there's just a lot that I wonder about moving into this. Um, and then Michigan is so stacked at receiver. You would think that the running game or you would think that the passing game would be primed to take off. And that might lead, lead you to think that JJ is the guy linebacker, junior Colson played against JJ back in high school. How, Different or similar does he look compared to when you played against him when you were at Ravenwood? Uh, he's still doing those Patrick Mahomes throws, so you know it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Uh, I think he's just he's just he, right now he's just ha ha having a lot of fun with it, so he's being comfortable. Uh, he's a lot he's making a lot of smart reads right now, so that's that's a big thing. He's actually changed. He's able you know take the check down, not always the deep ball. So I think he's got he's got a lot of maturity right now. So there's just what's interesting about this year is that I feel like Michigan, there shouldn't be a big drop off from last year, but it's going to be different. And how do you do that? How do you maintain that focus? Wide receiver, Roman Wilson. Um, Kate, a couple weeks ago, said, you know, this team wants to prove last year wasn't a fluke. Is that something that you, you all have talked about? And how does that manifest when you're preparing for a season? Uh, yeah, our new our, our goals for the season is different. You know, last year was more, you know, like beat our rivals, but this year is more like we want it all. We want to beat our rivals, like go to the playoffs, like Big Ten championship, like all that. Like we want to come for it all. We don't like we don't want to be what old Michigan was. Like we want to set a new standard for us. When you say old Michigan, what do you mean by that? Uh, like it's no surprise that we haven't done that that well in the past years, and you know. We don't. We want to take our game like up here. Like we want to be like considered one of the best. Like when we leave this program. Um, obviously, the defense has to contend with the absence of Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo. So you know, there's some some sorting out that needs to be done there. Everybody, uh, again, everybody says, and we're just going on on hearsay at this point of that the defense looks great, maybe even better than last year. But you know, we got to see that. So. Uh, I wonder if the quarterback um, uh, kerfumple, the thing, oh, look over here at the quarterbacks, is also taking attention away from what's happening uh, on the defense and, you know, creating some drama and creating some st a storyline for this first month of the season while the team sorts that out. Yeah, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible, but the – the defense is going to be under the scrutiny anyway. So if the defense struggles in these first three games against, uh, you know, uh, inferior opponents from a talent talent standpoint, 
uh, the questions about the defense are going to come up, even if the offense is killing it. So um, it's harder to distract. It's harder to use the quarterback controversy to distract from any potential defensive issues that we might see. Um, but it, it's def- the quarterbacks are going to be in the headlines, right? That's where the focus is going to be. That's where the writer's pens are going to be primed to really take off. So even that, is still going to take a little bit of attention, but if uh, Colorado State scores 30 points in the in the first game, you know, then the second paragraph is going to be about the defensive struggles. So it's going to be harder to to kind of hide if if there are problems with the defense, and and I don't really expect to see that. I think um, the the trade off on the defense is is also pretty interesting going from really star-studded with Aiden Hutchinson and Dax Hill to a more balanced, uh, all the positions are, are, are better, um, minus those two you know, first-round draft picks uh, where there's a little bit of a step-down. But the whole system, the whole team, the whole unit, it's very possible that they could have taken a step forward as a unit, uh, even if um, you, know, you lost three potential first-round picks if you uh, if you consider Ojabo a first round pick um, pre the Achilles injury, so it's it's possible that they are better overall if they got more solid on at all eleven positions. So the thing that I was um, considering as we were heading into the season, um, I was thinking back to the Ohio State game last year, and you're an Ohio State player. You look up at the scoreboard. Um, you're getting trucked in the third quarter and it wasn't supposed to happen like this. Right. And I was thinking back to a lot of the media commentary last season. Oh, you're starting the wrong quarterback. Oh, you can't run this much. Right. And I was thinking about how it kind of led into this season is that Harbaugh's doing everything wrong in air quotes. Right. Uh, You know, he's going with two quarterbacks and, Oh, he's still going to run the ball. And Oh, right. Uh, one of your top guys on, on defense is, was a receiver last year, Mike Sainer still, right? And what's interesting is, you know, Jim's going to do it his way. And I keep thinking as we watch this that we're seeing the most authentic version of Jim that you could imagine, right? Um, just like, uh, you know, kind of calling out the, well, the old, the old chestnut, if you have one quarterback, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Well, maybe we got two. Who says that? It's, I, I can't see it other than a, than a good thing. You know, it's, uh, and, they're, and they're actually both playing their best football since they've been here. Cade, Cade is arguably one of the most improved players on the team, um, and he's playing his best football. I mean, J.J. did not, he did not have spring practice, but, uh, he, you know, he's ascended to – uh, you know, to where he's at based on based on his performance. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a really really good thing. And um, yeah, I mean, there's no there's no demotion for Cade McNamara. Um, you know, he's playing his best football. It is a promotion for JJ. Um, you know, based on based on what he's been able to do as well. It's that kind of thing that I can see him pushing. You know, you know, maybe if both quarterbacks keep playing well. 
you know, Michigan keeps running too. I mean, I think that Jim is open to whatever is going to win. And he, you know, he doesn't care what people think. So it, it's going to be interesting. Now, listen, if all these bets ring true, right? Like generally when you, when somebody switches positions this late in their career, that's not a good thing. Okay. It means the person wasn't getting it done in their original position and, or you're really desperate in the new position. So when you hear Mike, uh, Rangers, when you hear Mikey, as the team calls him, moving to defensive back and everybody raving about him, you wonder how that's going to go down. And then the guy gets elected captain. So it, it seems like there's a lot of things here that are challenging conventional wisdom. And it's going to be entertaining to see the way it plays out. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it's a fascinating team. It's a fascinating team on its own. Um, just the 2022 season. It, it, it It's additionally fascinating coming on the back end of 21 and how that team was successful. Uh, you know, I always want to see and figure out um, how we're going to measure, you know, leadership within the, the players locker room, right? So the coaches can do all of the coaching, but the, the intangibles that it's hard for us as fans and media to pick up are the, um, th those leadership intangibles that come from inside the huddle from the players themselves. And the 21 team had that in spades and the 22 team, um, all the, they're saying all the right things, all the right messages are coming out. There's a lot of unity, right? There's a lot of, uh, continuity of message between the players and the coaches very similar to last year so those are all good signs but we won't know until we see it and hear what those players are are saying and how they are leading once there's a little bit of adversity for this team so um that'll be further into the season that some of those leadership tests will emerge but they they will emerge and uh and we'll see who steps to the forefront, um, both the captains and what they're saying and uh, additional players that, that may grab the spotlight and how they handle those moments too. And don't forget, we have a new defensive coordinator. Uh, Josh Gaddis has left, as you mentioned before, on the offensive side of the ball. For a team that looks like or looked like it finally figured it out last year, there's been a lot of changes. And I think that's also part of the um, bucking conventional wisdom, right? You know, Jim didn't throw out big contracts to lock those guys down for various reasons. They left, and the expectation is still the same. Running back, Blake Corp. But I'm more focused on my team right now. You know, I'm really focused on, you know, beating Michigan State, beating Ohio State again, you know, going to win the Big Ten Championship, but actually going all the way this year, you know, like, that's my focus. Like I'm really not focused on my self goals. That's gonna come. Like the yards, the yardage, the yards per carry, yards after carry, like all that's gonna come. But like as long as you focus on the team and that's what I'm focused on, I'm focused on, you know, making sure my own line can get better. What can I do to help them get better? What can I do to help the defense get better? Like like we say the team, the team, the team, and that's what I'm buying into. Like it's really not about me at the end of the day. I'm gonna I'm gonna get mine. You know, but I'm here for my team. I'm gonna go all the way this year and I think we can as long as we lock in. But to answer your question, I don't really care about the accolades. You know? Yeah, absolutely. The standard is still a standard. Uh, they're not shying away from 
the conversation about uh, beating both of their main rivals, Michigan State, Ohio State, in the same season, winning the Big Ten title, winning the national title. Those are the four goals, as stated directly right at the you know Big Ten media days. It's uh, there's no, well, you know, we lost the second overall pick in the draft, so we got to figure it out and and what's going to be different. It's you know that team, the 21 team raise the bar and it's time to clear that bar. And, and there's still some focus, like we talked a few months ago, still some focus on on the sting that came after the, the Georgia game in, in the Orange Bowl, right? And, and feeling like they weren't quite on the same level as the team that won the national title last year. And, and this team, um, to me, right now at this moment, sounds like they're still focused on trying to do what's necessary to improve and close the gap on the teams like uh, Alabama and, and Georgia and, uh, you know, beating Ohio State consistently on and getting into the first tier of college football. That's that's what they said six, seven, eight months ago, and um, that's what we're hearing right now. And I think that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. So change will be constant, but if if you can start with kind of a clarity of vision and purpose like that, then – um, you've done the right things through the month of August, and that's all we could hope for right now before the ball's been kicked. All right, and I think that's a, a great place to stop. Do you have any final words? No, I'm excited to get going. Uh, we'll look forward to, like I said, kind of developing how we're going to measure some of those storylines as the as they're going, both in game and and in the post game, and we'll. Uh, We'll see how this this team starts to evolve and and who really comes to the forefront, and uh, you know gets to gets to kind of lead the charge here through September. It should be a fun month, and uh, don't let people lull you to sleep on the entire month of September. I think the three non-conference games are being lumped together as the whole month, but that fourth game, first Big Ten opener at home against Maryland. That receiving core is is legit. So that last game of September is, is going to be a big one. And, and a, not the measuring stick, but a, uh, a true measuring stick game um, for this team and especially for the new defense. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.